If you could eliminate data entry for your truckload brokers, how much more business would your top performers win? TIE-TMS has an array of tools designed to save you hours a day. Import your entire spreadsheet of shipments. Let TIE create seamless integrations to your customers' internal systems. And if all of your orders come through email, TIE-TMS leverages AI to read an incoming email and enter the shipment for you. Visit tie-software.com to learn more about how you can empower your top performing brokers to increase their shipment volume today. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expenses to win these expenses. I got expenses to win these expenses. I've been all the work. I've been Hi, and welcome to Put That Coffee Down, the freight sales show for closers here on Freightways. My name is Kevin Hill. Here with Richie Daigle himself in his sharp new jacket. He's trying to be like Michael Vincent. You know, when he came on the show and you weren't here, he had a, a jacket like and this. He did. And uh, I got jealous. He did. We all, everyone wants to be like Mike. It's true. It, it is true. It, he it is, is the true. dude. <laughs> <laughs> Which shows you it's not a normal time in, in freight or in the world. We were talking about just before we went on air. Uh, a lot of disruptions, uh, a lot of you know, new normals. Everyone's talking about new normals, which is always a red flag to me because there is really no new normal. But 2022 seems like it's it's getting off to a year, especially in freight and freight sales, that is, is much like 2021. And uh, when will the market rebalance? And as a salesperson, what do you need to do to, to rebalance that? That's what we'll talk about today with Brad Blumstrom. He's the CFO of Emerge Markets. But before we get into the show, Let's, uh, we saw a commercial just there, but let, let's give a shout out to Ty again. Ty is the ultimate domestic 3PL solution for LTL and full truckload freight. Ty TMS gives you a centralized platform for sourcing load coverage by connecting you to load boards, rate intelligence, and capacity tools on a single page. To learn more, visit tiesoftware.com. And Richie, 2022 sells. How's it going so far? Yeah, it's good. Um, you know, I think. It's interesting to see what's going to happen. There's a lot of volatility out there. And I think when there's a lot of volatility, there's a lot of opportunity for, um, there's a lot of pain points. When there's a lot of pain points, then there's a lot of opportunity for providing solutions. And I think we're going to talk about that some today with, you know, the, the big rise in freight tech. And, you know, I, I, I see that trend continuing because, you know, like you were talking about, is, is the industry going to rebalance? To me, is, is it going to rebalance before the next big disrupting event. So it's almost like a time clock there. Mm -hmm. um, I think that some of the freight tech might help us along the way. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of unknowns, a lot of uncertainty, and it's an it's a exciting time to be in sales for sure. It is an exciting time. And as a salesperson, you want volatility. You want constant change. You don't want you know, stabilization. You don't status quo. You, unless I guess you dominate the market, and then maybe you do want the status quo, but you always want a little bit of volatility, a little bit of of, of action, right? If, if you're trading stocks, you want volatility. You want if you buy something, you want it to go up in price, right? So that you want volatility it is very good for sales, and you know, in freight sales, you're a little bit of a trader as well, so you want mm -hmm. volatility. Uh, whether it's it's up or down, you can play the volatility. It's when it was a very stable market, like 2019, is when it when it's really tough. Yeah, and and there's a right amount. I mean, volatility is like a drug, right? And then, and then the and the yeah. right and the right quantities, it can do wonders. I mean, it, you know, 
if I have mm-hmm. a beer at night or, you know, a drink or a glass of wine, I'm feeling great. But if, if someone tries to shove, you know, a, a five bottles of wine down my, you know, like yeah, the, yeah. to a certain degree, volatility can turn toxic. And so, uh, yeah, a bottle of vodka balance. before breakfast really is the, the, the best, <laughs> the, the, the best uh, method to, to, to getting ready for the day, is it? Exactly. Uh, it is not. Um, <laughs> You know, I just wanted to talk about an article that I saw over the weekend from Inc. I, I've been finding some really great articles on Inc., actually, especially in the sales world. And this one is reading just 1.5 books a month will put you in an elite category of super achievers. So the average person reads, oh, what was it, six to eight books uh, a year, I, I believe. Six to eight right. books yep. a year is, is average to below average. If you read 11 or more, or I guess 1.5, you read 15 to 20 books a year or more, uh, you're in the top 1%. Yeah, and I think it's it's this, you know, Tim Ferriss talks about uh, with Josh Waitzkin on one of his uh, podcasts, this whole idea of creating the filter or the, the, the large part of your brain, like the lens of your brain, how you view anything. And a lot of what you read is contributing to the construction of your, your view, right? Like mm-hmm. how you view whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's sales or customer service or whatever it may be. Um, and I think that this speaks to that, right? So like if you are, you're reading books and you are continuing to evolve and you're, you're coming at it from the vantage point that Adam Grant talks a lot about mm-hmm. thinking again and, and constantly putting your views under a microscope and adapting and changing and being open to learning, then that lens is constantly under an evolution of getting more and more clear yeah. And whatever you're in, that's going to make you more effective. And that's mm-hmm. where your your super achievers comes from. Like if I'm just unpacking that a little bit, that's the way I would think about it. Yeah, and they brought up another good point. And I think you're talking about it just there is being an active reader. You know, it's not necessarily the quantity books. You know, you don't want to read 100. I mean, I guess you, you do want to read 100 a year, uh, but not if you fly through them. It's not really going to do you a lot of good if if you nush that down a little bit. Even if you you read one book a month or one book every two months, if you're a very active reader, if you're going through the information, if you're really thinking about it and and trying to 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 learn the material, to put it into action, uh, that that's that's well within uh, normal bounds too. You know, being that active reader, highlighting things, going back, revisiting it. Uh, putting notes on your computer. A lot of times, especially sales books, I will uh, certainly have things highlighted, but I'll have a, a Word document or a Google Doc uh, listing out some of the main points, something that I want to, to really uh, review and, and know if I am mm-hmm. if I have my Kindle out, then it's, it's right there for me in that. And just like volatility, I mean, reading's a bit of a drug too, right? And, mm-hmm. and you can read too much. There is, there's a lot of studies out there that say, if you're reading, like, here are some signs that you might be reading too much when you're, mm-hmm. you're, you have clouded mind, you're not able to problem solve well, you're not thinking well on your feet and you kind of get down to why are you reading, right? I, that's yep. the question. Are you reading to find information to support a, a specific position that you already have? And you're not open to questioning that you're just looking for ammo to be mm-hmm. defensive. Are you reading because it's impulsive and you just want something to do? You can't sit still. Or are you reading because you want to learn, right? Yeah. And, and I think that's important to uh, to get down to what you're what you're really after. It, it is. Before we bring Brad on, uh, real quickly, what are you reading right now? Yeah, so I just uh, a great way for for that I love sourcing books is when I find a TV show, mm-hmm. 
a lot of times pay attention in the TV show to the books that the characters in the show are reading, because a lot of times your, your producers and writers will drop clues there about what influenced them about that show. Sure. The show Lost is great. There's a mm -hmm. bunch of great books like littered throughout Lost. Ted Lasso is another yeah, one. Yeah. And a book that was uh, being read by Coach Beard and Ted Lasso was The Entangled Life by Merlin Sheldrake, all about mycelial networks and fungi mm -hmm. and how they interact with this world. Fascinating book. Just finished it, and now I'm on to uh, um, dipping my, my finger into an intro to Zen Buddhism by D.T. Suzuki. So that's where you I'm You are a philosopher. You are a philosopher. <laughs> so it was the last book that, that really struck you. I like, <laughs> I like all the books that I, I really like that uh, uh, the Entangled Life. It's yep. a fascinating bite, uh, book. And even coming at it from a business standpoint, I think I'm, and I would love if, if somebody's doing this, please let me know. I think that transportation has so much to learn from decentralized mycelial networks in the fungus world and in the fungi world. And I would be fascinated if there's anybody that's doing any sort of studies about transportation in trucks and fungus I, that would blow I, my I mind. Would, so, you know, I, I would <laughs> too. putting it out there. <laughs> I, I would too. I, I certainly would. Uh, I'm start, I just started uh, this weekend getting acquired by Andrew Gazdecki. He runs a micro acquire, which is an online platform for small SaaS companies to uh, look for buyers. Interesting book. The last one that I read that I really liked is, is a fiction. Or no, it's nonfiction actually. But it's Killers of the, the Flower Moon. And it's in Osage country where I you know, grew up very close to that, and it was a fascinating story. Martin, Martin Scorsese is coming out nice. with a movie very soon with Leon, Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro and uh, a whole host, Brendan Fraser's in it, a whole host of, uh, of really um, awesome actors, and I guess they've been filming back in, in that area uh, all of last year, so everyone was trying to, uh, to, to catch sightings of, of movie stars around Oklahoma at the time. Uh, with, with that, awesome. let's welcome Brad Blumstrom, the CFO of Emerge Markets, onto the show. And uh, and you've been there for a couple years now. You've seen the growth. We'll talk about growth here in a second. My first take is I, I'd like to get your take on what Rishi was just saying about decentralized fungi. 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 Yeah. Fungi. I don't know if you if you ventured into the world of fungi or not, but. <laughs> I see a lot of commonalities between big decentralized I mean, fungi uh, networks. My knowledge is mostly sauteed mushrooms, but um, I'll take your uh, take your word on the decentralized network. I mean, I, just as a general principle, I think that's a, a really relevant topic for freight because it is so fragmented on both the demand and supply side for shippers and carriers. So I think how both of those populations get real-time market information is really interesting. And that probably speaks to what the uh, example you're talking through is there. I, I'm not sure it is. And uh, as part of that, you know, decentralized <laughs> systems, <laughs> it's well well over my head, you know. I'm just from Oklahoma. I, I don't know anything. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but, but as I said, you know, we were talking about the market in 2022 and, and kind of some of the, the trends COVID has introduced, you know, e-commerce and on the consumer side. On the freight side, it's tech. Is supply chain uh, really that that tech to get the supply chain up to, to speed uh, with all the disruptions? And, and this has been accelerated. What do you? What, what's your outlook for 2022 and 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 tech innovations in freight and logistics and supply chain? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of different ways to look at it. If you were to say just from the 
who's getting funded and, and who's a disruptor in the startup category, you know, some of that may slow down a little bit across the board, depending on kind of how, you know, tech valuations, tech fundraising across the board goes. But I think um, of all the sectors of tech, I think logistics is probably the most attractive and will have the most continued activity. Uh, obviously, I'm biased, but I think what you're seeing during COVID is just highlighting a lot of problems that have existed for a long time. Um, under extreme stress. So we're essentially, it was a rapid global stress test for everyone at the same time. Uh, and a lot of things are kind of coming up unsatisfactory for major you know, organizations that were used to pretty clean supply chains. Um, so I think that a lot of budgets uh, for tech and logistics software and innovation in this category among some of the larger players are going to keep increasing in 22 and 23. Um, you know, again, you know, we're in an environment where, you know, uh, durable good orders are, are 60% higher than they were three years ago, four years ago. Um, you know, that, that's that's really tough for any supply chain to maintain. And to have that happen during a pandemic context has been pretty eye-opening for a lot of people that were used to kind of business as usual logistics. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. Everyone's stress tested at the same time. And uh, one of those, you know, non-tech, well, I guess it is tech related, is remote working. No one wanted to go out there and just do it for without a really good reason, but everyone had to do it at the same time, and it was a necessity. But you, you saw that in, in other parts, especially in freight and freight tech, is that, that immediate stress testing. Everyone had to go find a solution to a lot of problems at the same time. There, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't the, the luxury of shopping around or, or, or debating whether we need it or not. It was just like we need it, and... It created an incredible 2021. Um, do you think on the fundraising, you mentioned it, do you think fundraising will continue to be as hot as it was in 21 this year in 2022? I would think so. I think a lot of investors in this category have spent the last year and a half kind of developing a thesis on the space. And so now they're kind of ready to pull the trigger if they find something that's interesting. You know, who knows where tech multiples are going to be and how deals are going to be priced. But I think there is certainly a lot of appetite to fund winners in this category because I think a lot of people realize that we're not as far along in the, the tech evolution of logistics in general as we kind of thought we were, or even compared to other verticals. Um, so something like FinTech or, you know, other enterprise software, they have a five or 10 year head start on our category candidly. Um, so I think there's still a long way for disruption to happen in this category in the near term. Yeah, I think about that in terms of, you know, it seems like there's a lot of resiliency that needs to be built within, um, freight and logistics and, and freight tech can play a role in, in creating more resiliency um, because I'm convinced that, you know, we, we've just got through one disrupting event and it seems like there could be others and we can learn a lot from this one to make sure that we are better prepared for whatever the next thing that nobody sees coming whenever that happens, <laughs> you know, whenever that comes and hits us all in the face again. But I'm, I'm curious, you know, what is Emerge doing? What's on the on the plan or on the roadmap for 2022 for, you know, what you're bringing into the, to the marketplace and how you are uh, uh, serving the industry in that way? Yeah, so I think that that point of resiliency being a, a need for every major shipper now and, and also, you know, most carriers, too, um, is really what we're trying to execute on. So, you know, we launched our um, contract RFP product called Dynamic RFP about a year and a half ago, um, and that allows shippers to run RFP events for their contract rates um, on a much more rapid and flexible basis. And that has been really resonating in the market today. So, you know, somebody that would run a 
big annual RFP at the end of Q4 and just kind of sit on those rates for the rest of the year can't do that anymore. Um, so having a solution that allows them to be more flexible and run a bit every couple of months if they need to kind of backfill some of the capacity um, and also kind of be better able to time the market because rates have been so volatile. So, you know, I think we're trying to number one execute on making sure that we're meeting shippers where we need them um, in terms of their ability to procure rates and find capacity um, that fits what their, you know, demand network is going to look like. Um, I think over time, we also want to make the ease of use for the shipper and the carrier a lot easier. So on the shipper side, it's, you know, can we integrate with their TMS platform to make managing a lot of these procurement activity a lot easier? Um, uh, on the carrier side, you know, how are we marketing and messaging that, you know, this is the destination to come to if you want to find access to the billions of dollars of freight that are being procured through our system and kind of allowing those shippers and carriers to meet in the middle uh, in real time. Um, which takes a bit of teaching the market. So that's kind of what our focus is in the, in the immediate term here. Really interesting in your comments there about um, contracts and RFPs, because I've certainly no <clears throat> noticed that, you know, those bid cycles are shortening, right? The annuals bids aren't, you know, it's becoming monthly or, or maybe quarterly or sometimes weekly. What are you seeing? Like, is there this convergence of contract and spot where are we going to land? Like, how? What? What do you see in the future as as bid cycles get shorter and shorter, and the spot market gets more and more volatile? At what point are things going to settle uh, in, in that regard? Yeah, bid durations are really slow right now, just because rates are really high, so nobody wants to go in and lock in, you know, the the top of the market and pricing for a long amount of time. But so, I think if there were a return to normal, it would be you know longer duration bids in a more normal environment. But one thing that's going to change on that is when you conduct that bid is going to be variable. And that's another product feature that we're working on is, you know, making the system intelligent. So instead of just running the bid once in December, you know, we can recommend say, Hey, you know, it might be make more sense to do this two months from now, where you're not getting great pricing on these three lanes and you might want to look again a couple months down the road. So just building in that flexibility and, and nimbleness um, is something we think is in, in, important for the product. Um, but again, I think in a normal environment, you're not going to see this level of like hyper short duration bids permanently. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the tech has has caught up, as you were saying, to, to to be able to do this. I mean, five years ago, maybe not. You, do, you don't have those those tools out there to do that. Um, and I know Merge is is working on those tools. You raised a big round in September. Uh, I think it was around 120 million dollars, if, if I'm correct, or, or close to it. I think uh, so. What are the plans for the money? What's next on the horizon? What tech tech uh, tech implementations are you working on for uh, freight tech and and your customers out there? Yeah, no, I, I, we put it all in Bitcoin, so it's been a rough, rough <laughs> week. Um, no, the, the, the short answer is is we want to make sure we're building a lot more functionality for the product as as quickly as possible and kind of again, meeting shippers where they need us, you know, whether it's those TMS integrations, getting comprehensive with that, uh, building a lot more sophistication around how the actual RFP process works and making sure that we're fitting shippers needs there. So we're going to be significantly ramping up our development spend um, on product and then also linking that with the carrier side. So, you know, our carriers meeting these opportunities from shippers directly in the market. Um, so part of that is a product and you know, making the, the user experience really sticky. Uh, part of it also, to be candid, is on the sales and marketing front. Um, so prior to this round, we were a little bit under the radar, um, kind of by design, um, and wanted to kind of build and tinker a little bit um, and kind of establish product leadership. And now 
you know, it's, it's really how do we meet shippers in the market, you know, and carriers in the market with the message. Um, so, you know, now it's, it's how can we scale the sales and marketing team efficiently, you know, for shippers of all sizes. So we're hiring aggressively on that front. What do you think, um, you know, we were talking about right before we went on air is kind of external disruptions really move the, the trucking market, moves the, the, the supply chain. Do you see any risks um, for tighter capacity or any risks or scenarios, I should say, out there that, that would create a, a loose capacity or, or kill demand, really? Um, retail sales, you, you mentioned, or gangbusters. <laughs> Is there any, any scenario out there that you see demand dropping and capacity rising in, in 2022? I don't know. There's potentially two. Uh, one's good, one's bad. Uh, the good one would be you know, a quicker end to the, the pandemic than we were predicting. Um, so the sooner that life returns to normal and consumers start spending money on restaurants and vacations instead of, you know, gym equipment, um, that would loosen up capacity a little bit. Um, the other would be just a, a decline in, in consumer economic activity. Um, so if the economy were to turn south for whatever reason, you know, theoretically that could be bad. Who knows? I'm not going to claim to be an economist on that front, um, but I think I'm, I'm hoping for the former <laughs> rather than the other. <laughs> Well, if you're an economist, you, you certainly wouldn't give us a clear answer, right? I, I ask Anthony <laughs> yeah, Smith sure. questions all the time. I get two answers to the same side. Uh, but, but that's just Anthony being his economist self. Um, Brad, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's been enjoyable. Uh, how does uh, our audience reach out and learn more about Emerge? Yeah, uh, EmergeMarket.com. Uh, careers page is full. So uh, if any closers out there looking for a, a sales gig, let us know. Will do, will do. And tell, uh, tell our friend George Abernathy, hi from Kevin Ritchie. <laughs> will do. Thanks, guys. <laughs> oh, you bet. So interesting. It is. It interesting. Is. So, uh, you know, ask, ask Brad this question. I'll ask you this question. What are, what are you looking for on scenarios or risks from both sides? Getting a tighter market or a looser market? You know, the, I, I am kind of keeping eyes on the whole situation with, with Russia and Ukraine. And I, I feel like that's a bit of a powder keg. And I don't know if, if there's conflict, how big that conflict, that there's, there's the potential there for that to be massive, right? And mm -hmm. um, certainly would have implications into you know, gas and oil and uh, certainly freight, international freight. Again, there, that, that has that potential. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we hope that whatever is happening over there is able to be resolved uh, without conflict and it can go away. And, and, you know, that powder keg is lit, but uh, certainly something worth watching. Yeah, that is a really good uh, commentary on the, well, on oil pricing, right? Mm -hmm. Oil prices, they've gone up all year. Oh, we've seen that run up, but, uh, you know, a war uh, between Russia and Ukraine would, would certainly throw a lot of panic into the market and into consumers. It just really feed down into everything. I, I agree. I agree. On a... On a looser capacity, what do you think? Oh, man. Um, <clears throat> I think the end of the pandemic, if, if we're able to get out on the other side, I do think that once we really get past it and it's, it's no longer a talking point, there's going to be this massive surge back into travel and Disney World and services. People go to theaters. Um, I think we're seeing some of that uh, already as, as more vaccinations are going out. Mm -hmm. But I, I see that as being something that could be a pretty massive swing. And then all of a sudden, just like Brad was saying, 
I don't need to go buy money on or spend money on stuff because we're going to go, you know, spend three weeks in Europe or something. I know. I, I think that is that, that is on, on the the looser side. That's that's mine too. I'm really looking at everything that has to do with inventories and sales to inventory ratios and warehousing. I, I know we're at record capacity from a Prologis, uh, you know, recent earnings call, um, but I, I think we might be in an over-inventory environment, especially if people start taking trips again or, or buying services instead of, uh, of tangible products. I, I think that is, uh, is a real danger on the tightening side. Uh, I, I think, you know, of course, wars, but I, I think if, if we're not really out of the woods with, with COVID and we see any kind of other further lockdowns or... Um, or stimulus. I mean, if we get any more rounds of stimulus or or any inflationary pressures, we're gonna we're gonna keep going the way we're going. But uh, either way, it's good for sales if you can play the volatility and if you position yourself and read a lot of books. That is always important. <laughs> uh, but this is gonna wrap it for this week. Uh, put that coffee down. Catch us uh, next week, 12 p.m. noon here Tuesdays. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expenses. I got expensive.